They loosed their curse against the king. They cursed him in his flesh and bones. And ever in the mystic ring they turned the maledictive stones. I you what? A man, I was a friend of my wife. I only take Puccini, oh, he, was, he was wild, you know, very wild. And he had a rose in his own knuckle. And he done only injured his uncle in any case that he had to come to the old infirmary here in Sligo. We used to call him Martin Sean. And his mother had no English at all. Well, Martin had, oh, Martin had both English and Irish. And the wife, Martin Danlin's wife, she was Wagawa, from Wagawan. She was that mad with him, didn't she go to, to the castle? In Inishmore? In, on Inishmore, the huge big castle, and inside that, all the monks and buried, and the men had died it. And she turned the crook of Mark to Adam. And in about a month after, he got sick, and he pulled down a house, he was that strong. A man that could nearly lift a cow into a boat. Well, in about a month's time, he died inside of a month. At Inish Murray, Sligo, there is a large table stone supported on eight perpendicular stones as a pedestal. And on the table are 73 stones from 5 to 20 inches in circumference, which have been lying there from the most ancient times, for to remove them would be at the peril of one's life. On these 73 stones, all the anathematic spirit of the island is concentrated. If the islanders suffer any injury, real or supposed, they come and turn these stones, uttering a malediction over their enemy, and should he be guilty, he will assuredly die or suffer some calamity before the year is out. The actual stones are rounded stones, obviously picked up from the seashore. They're water-rounded stones. Uh, Some of them were... uh, Most of them have some crosses on them, they're incised, and some of them have most beautiful work on them. In point of fact, five of them are now missing, the five most beautiful, and uh, I know where they are, so do many other people. And uh, Are they in a safe place? They're in a very safe place, they're in the safest place they could be. Well, that's uh, something, anyhow. <laughs> strictly speaking, it isn't legal that they should be anywhere except they're on Murray. but uh, the fact is that they were portable, and because the island is now inhabited, they were at risk. The stones on the altar of Clockerbracca, or speckled stones, are arranged in such a manner as to render it difficult to reckon them. Indeed, according to the statement of the natives, they can never be correctly counted. These cursing stones are still in great repute. Sixteen years ago, in 1886, during the anti-Protestant riots in the town of Sligo, an aged countrywoman was heard to threaten that she would go to the island and turn the stones against the Protestants. I was born and raised in the Shmurray, and all I know up in the Shmurray, we had our own school there, we had our own chapel there, in the Shmurray, and the priest used to go to the Shmurray twice a year for the Mass and the Holy Communion. Well, then about the graveyard, when we were all kids growing up there together, we used to, all, we used to hear our parents all talking about the blessed stones, we used to call, call them, and more people called them the cushion stones, but I'm there, they were there and here. But then they used to always go over to the castle, where they are. They're like at a big station, like that, and they're all left around rows, big ones and small ones and smaller ones again. There's three parts of them in it. So they used to go over there. How many of them are there? 
many stones in it. Oh, sure, they can't know the numbers. That's, that's, the, that's the particular. No one knows what's the right number of the stones. You might count them now and you might get 48. Maybe I might come beside you, Nicky, again, I count them, I might get 28. Maybe someone will come again and might get 108. Do you know that? Because they never got the correct number of the stones. Well, now, there was, it was a remarkable thing. There was a bishop in my time. And he was in Sligo, I forget his name now, but he, I know he was in Sligo Bishop on here, but I forget his name. But he came in, and they were all started telling about the stones, about the cursed stones, about the burial ground, and Cashel, and Chample, and all this. So he took, you know, paint, and he painted the stones, one, round me one, round the whole way, round me in the way that you wouldn't go astray on the count, and still you couldn't get the number. So generally, it's a case of turning them uh, anti-clockwise, that is, against the sun. That's the important thing. This is something that goes right back to pagan times, as, as far as we know. Uh, everything that went sunwise was lucky, and when you went the other way around, it was unlucky. Deshel is, means sunwise, it's the old Irish. I think Tuhal is the anti-sunwise. And this concerns much more than cursing stones or anything like that. Even turning the wheel, which the ancient Celts used to do, had to be done sunwise, like the sun rising in one way and coming down the other way. There's another point in all this too, as far as the stones are concerned. As far as we know, these stones are not primarily intended as cursing stones. There seems some evidence that their purpose was for good. They were used as prayer stones. Perhaps going back into pre-Christian times, where when you're looking for a favorable wind or a favorable harvest or something, you would turn the stones on the altar clockwise or sunwise saying prayers. And naturally it's like saying a black mass, in other words saying the mass backwards. You brought evil on yourself or on whatever, conjured up the devil, well you just turned these stones anti-clockwise and you ended up with a curse. I was reared on an Ishmari. Uh, I saw it being done on one occasion. In your own time? In my own time. Now, <laughs> there was great risk attached to it because it was very definite that if you were accusing somebody in the wrong and that the curse returned on yourself. But this poor man had done something to a couple of boys. They weren't even teenagers. They didn't have much sense. They were maybe 10, 12s, and whatever he had done to them, they revenged themselves on him by pulling up his stalks in the month of May. <laughs> and of course, the young boys did not realise what a terrible thing this was. <laughs> you see, an adult would would know how serious it was. You should pull up a man's quarter of an acre of stalks. <laughs> yes. So, I remember what he did. He gathered up the stalks, or a number of them, and he carried them round under his arm, and he went to every house in the island, and he showed them the stalks that had been pulled up. Mm -hmm. And then he he, had a quite, he knew, I think, who did it, at least, uh, maybe he wasn't able to prove it, but he, he should have known. He had a good idea. He had yeah. a good idea. So he proceeded to perform the station. I never saw him do the station any other time except then. <laughs> 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 he proceeded to perform the station against the two boys. And uh, all I can say is that nothing dreadful happened to either the boys or himself. The pagan ritual of turning certain characteristic stones against an enemy with the intention of bringing some great evil upon him has survived centuries of Christianity and, as we've heard, has been practised in parts of Ireland down to our own time. The speckled stones of Inish Murray, the now deserted island off the coast of Sligo, 
are the best known of many maledictive stones which were once in use. And the really remarkable thing about them is, perhaps, that most of them are still to be seen in the amazing cashel or fort which encloses the early monastic settlement there. In addition, many of the legends about them are still recalled by the older generation of islanders. Legends, very often, which relate to the pre-Christian period of the pagan god Crom Cruach, who was overthrown by St. Patrick. Crom Cruach, he was a famous Druze in Ireland one time. And uh, he was a kind of a bird to the Britons, what they called the Briton Lords was in Ireland at the time. But this Crom Cruach, whatever he fell over, was the King of Ireland, King Leary. And he, he heard about these stones being on the island. They were there long before St. Patrick came down. And he went in and didn't curse the King, king Leary of Athen Ray and the Crook of Morrissey. And after he turned the stones against it, there's one part of the author that the stones is on the corner of the Crook of Morrissey and the... And the each point is what they call the Krochomanachty, the blessed, and the curse. And didn't he resent what he'd done? The king there, he said he was wrong. He found it out after. Same Russian in his morning told him he'd done wrong. And what did he do? He reversed the stones again, he turned them on himself. And clears the goodness he didn't live 24 hours. He went insane, crown croch, overturning the Krochomanachty, and King Leary, that was right. Until the island was evacuated in 1948, the people of Inish Murray used to do their normal penitential pilgrimage either on Lady Day the 15th of August or on St Molosh's Day the 12th. To do the complete round, visiting all the stations, as they were called, on the periphery of the island and saying the required prayers, took a full three hours. Those who would undertake the round with evil intent would devote the same length of time to it and would cover the same ground but in the opposite direction. Dr Patrick Herity. When the Tlachabraca were used for, for maledictive purposes, the difference was that you reversed everything. You began your station by doing the circuit of Chachmalash. You then went to the Tlachabraca. And now, when you had done your rounds at the Tlachabraca, this time you went around each Withershins, you went against the, the sun. And when you had done your station at the Tlachabraca, you turned each of the rounded stones. They numbered about 53. The legend was that they were uncountable, that you always got a different number. But this was because they were placed in such a position. I'm afraid I used a trick to count them, and they were 53. But you turned each of these rounded stones upside down. And then you proceeded to perform the rest of the station, but backwards all the time, until you came back into the castle again. But there are plenty of stories about people who had the stations done against them, or the stones turned and, you know, died within oh, a month, that oh, sort this, of thing. This is so, and uh, the usual one that they threw themselves into the sea, usually from a boat. Somebody would have the station done against them, and uh, uh, then he determined to leave the island, and he took passage. Usually, at that time, from from Sligo to Glasgow. A lot of people migrated to Glasgow from the island and I think the passage was a half a crown or five shillings or something. And the usual story was then when the malefactor 
was passing the island on the boat, he threw himself over the side and was drowned. This was quite a usual story that mm. uh, told about people against whom the station had been done. There was uh, a story, and it's told in both Torrey and about Inish Murray, about some woman doing the stations or turning the stone against Hitler during the, the last World War. Uh, there was a very good reason, of course, that somebody should turn the stones against Hitler on Inish Murray. Because on Inish Murray, their uh, means of livelihood was putchy-making. The authorities had done everything they could to prevent it. They licensed treacle. You cannot yes, buy treacle here without licence, and then only in a limited quantity. The licensed golden syrup, the licensed brown sugar. But, of course, uh, when Hitler uh, remotely caused sugar rationing in Ireland, <laughs> putching in on an Ishmori was finished. In the townland of Ballysomahan, in the county Sligo, there were originally stones also used for the purposes of cursing. They are said to have been cast into the neighbouring lake, yet were found next morning in their accustomed places. About two miles distant from the foregoing site, in Barrow near Bloomfield, there was a similar set of stones. Under the shade of some ash trees is the dried-up site of a holy well, for, owing to its profanation by unbelievers in its sanctity, the waters left it and broke out in another spot. Both here and at Ballysomahan the stones have now disappeared. That was how W.G. Wood Martin, historian and archaeologist, described two other Sligo cursing sites in his book, Traces of the Elder Faiths of Ireland, published in 1902. The Ballysomahan stones do not seem to have kept their reputation for reappearing. Only two formless mounds today mark the spot where they once were. It's now rather the borough stones which disappear from time to time and apparently return somewhat mysteriously. This has been our own experience of them. With the help of Frank Taff from La Valley, a couple of miles south of Ballantohar, after a hazardous trek over hedges, ditches and soggy fields, we came to the druidic-looking site described by Wood Martin. And in a pot-like hole in the ground near a heap of grass-covered stones, we discovered one of the borough cursing stones. Well, this uh, spot where you're standing now is the borough cushion stones that uh, I have seen since the time I was going to school. There were three in it. Now there's only one. Now there's only one left. Where they disappeared, I don't know. Well, we've just had a look around there and you haven't been able to find any. No, not able to find them. It's strange that they're gone out of it and I can't know, like, where they did or what happened. And what's the story behind them, Frank? Well, the story behind them is that they were supposed to be a cure for the pain in the head. People used to come and take them out and, and make the sign of the cross and put down their head into that pot for the cure of the pain of the head. So uh, that's all of the history I know about them. Well, they were also used as a cursing stone. Yes. What was done then? Well, that's nearly all I can tell you. Like, you know, about. if you wanted to curse someone, what would you do? turn it around so many times or what? Well, I suppose if you were bad enough to do that to anyone, you'd turn it around, you see. Or probably. There's no tradition about them having been used in recent times at all? No, not that I know now. Or even back in previous days? You no, never heard no, it. no, yeah. no. The old people don't even remember anything? Well, no, not that I know of now. 
And really all it is is a hole in the ground? Just a hole in the ground and there's a, what you call a stone in the shape of a pot, metal pot, and they're left sitting into it. You see you there for yourself. You're lifting it out now? Yes. And now do you see it's just as you say, a sort of pot. You see it's coming up to that yeah. and it's dissed off with a round, yeah. kind of dissed off. And the moss growing around the top of the it moss then? moss growing around well, the top, but nothing ever grew on the bottom of that. I know. Well, I suppose as long as the stones would be there, nothing could go grow in them. Well, it's strange now that it never seemed to fill in with soil or anything like or that, you see, or moss. Mm. Well, now, there's a heap of stones moss-covered here as well, yeah. decided. Well, probably there's some stones there, and if a man tilled that field, he'd probably pick them, and he might have thrown them around, you see. And generally, these stones, the cursing stones, or whatever they choose to call them, they're often very near a holy well. Isn't there one here too? There is. The holy well about 200 yards up in another fort there. I never seen anyone coming to it but what I have heard. And what day was it associated with? I think the 15th of August was the day for it. They are seven forts in a row, one after another here. There's one on top of that hill there. There's a one at the back of that hill in a hollow. There's another one there, the one you're standing on. There's another one here. Sorry. Another one here over in that field. There's another one there. That's seven forts, mm -hmm. all in a row. And there's another one just at the back of them bushes, eight, in a row after other. And then this is a sort of fairy fort, is it here? That's a fairy fort. They're all forts. When I say they're forts, they're all reckoned as fairy forts, you know? I know. The now solitary borough cursing stone is on the land of Paddy Carrigan of La Valley. And he told us that the old people used to talk about the blessing stones, an indication of the dual purpose these stones usually served. He also told us what he remembers of the stones disappearing. There was two smaller ones on the one that's in it. The, the largest one of the three is in it. And the other ones was, uh, one of them was something smaller and the other one was smaller again. And they just disappeared recently? Yes, yes. yes be a year ago, two well, years ago? Well, it'll be around six months ago. As recently as that? Around about that time. And there could be, there could be only just near hand enough thrown down, mm. covered in, 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 in rushes or grass. Could be probably in the, in the main shock going down, the trench going down one side. They could. And you've seen them disappear literally before Paddy, I believe. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Aye, and I brought them back. And This was some, somebody just for a bit yes, of a laugh. Yes, just could be children for fun. Could be children. But that's the way these things disappear. Oh, yes, often yes. People just but look for a bit no, of a laugh. But no hair a minute, I suppose. Well, you know, it might be an unlucky thing to touch those with well, the history course. that attaches to well, them. Well, for children, that wouldn't know the difference, I suppose, <laughs> but I suppose big people wouldn't. After Murray, probably the best-known cursing site in Ireland was on Torrey Island, about nine miles off the coast of Donegal. And there, too, there was a Torres Moor associated with the cursing ritual. Father Ono Cullum, now parish priest of Anagri, who spent six years in Torrey and is the author of Torrey Nadon, thinks that the Torres was originally pagan, but that it was Christianised by St Cullum Killa. The ritual was similar to that for the Murray rounds. The would-be cursor went fasting, bareheaded, barefooted and before sunrise on an anti-clockwise circuit of the island, visiting various Ullyaha, stone cairns or Lyachtana on which stones were deposited as he went. 
These cairns, like the principal stone Clochhari or Glochachulamkille, have now disappeared. But would-be cursors have not given up easily, and they have been known even down to our own time. It was the people really from the mainland that put an end to it. Uh, the Tory people had sort of given up the practice because they noticed uh, any time the Torres Moor was uh, made for these for cursing purposes that uh, it brought um, adverse effects onto the island. The island people, the crops, uh, the fishing, and uh, the weather, uh, they, according to them, they were all affected uh, adversely. And uh, for that reason, the, the, the sort of uh, turned against the, the practice altogether. And um, uh, actually, the, the, the last man from the mainland, he was from Krishna, that went in to uh, do the thoroughs, they turned them back, they wouldn't allow him into the island at all. Uh, I should mention too in this matter that uh, it was during uh, Canon McGrorty's time, he was parish priest in Widor, that's way back about uh, 1895, 96, around that period he was a curate there. He stopped, uh, that was the last time an island man attempted to, to, to uh, make the thoroughs. He stopped him halfway around. Somebody came in and told the priest that there was somebody, somebody, some island making the thoroughs, and he, he went and he stopped him up at the, at the cliffs at the back of the church there. The well-known folklore collector Sean O'Hahi told us... I know that a certain woman went all the way from the mainland here to make use of it, but she didn't succeed because the parish priest, or the priest... On the island of the day, he had heard from somebody that she went specially to the island to do the Terrasmo there, to curse her, uh, a neighbour woman of hers uh, with whom she had some row. And um, the, the priest, he got up in the early hours of the morning. This terrace had to be done uh, before sunrise. And uh, he was up early in the morning and she was at the second at the second Karnan, or as they call them in Tori, Ali, uh, they call these uh, these sto heaps of stones, they call them Ullis on Tori Island. And she was just at the second Ali when the priest arrived. He brought a stick and he chased her back to the pier and told her to take the first back boat, <laughs> boat back to the mainland and warned her that he was never again to see her on the island. <laughs> The Glockach Columkille, or Torrey Stone, mentioned in the 16th century biography of Columkille, or Columba, by Manus O'Donnell, has disappeared almost within living memory. The old people of the island were able to tell Father Column what it was like about 20 years ago. Uh, rather, uh, I would say, uh, rectangular with uh, smooth uh, corners, a hollow in the centre where a he, he used to place it on his uh, lap. This is Column Killer. Column Kill, when he was, uh, he used it as a <coughs> rest for his head. And he had put, placed it on his lap and laid his head upon it, according to the, to the tradition. It's also said that there, was, there were two inscriptions on it, one in Latin and one in Irish. The one in Irish uh, was 
Nagarti me, do not hurt me. And uh, nobody could tell me what the Latin inscription was or could, could translate it. The Glacoch Columkille may, of course, have had an earlier pagan usage, and it may have been reverting to this when it became, as it appears, the great cursing stone of Torrey. Well, they say that uh, if you wanted to do the, the evil deed or bring the curse on somebody in a hurry, you turn the stone. The, the stone was uh, kept in a particular house on the island. You had to get the, 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 the person in charge, the, the custodian. You had to get the stone from that person. And uh, you, you turn the stone against the the person. Uh, now the the connection between the being at a cursing stone and being um, a, a possession of St. Column Kill. I can't now give you any explanation on how the the were associated, mm. but. Uh, well, what the, happened to Stone in the end? Well, <coughs> like the Thaddeus Moore people sort of turned against the use of it. They saw the uh, the harmful effects it was uh, causing uh, to, as I said, to the life of the island, the f fishing, storms, uh, calamities, and so on. So the, the last custodian buried the stone somewhere on the west uh, near Ali Cholam Kilya there you know the Moorheshire somewhere near there and, and it never the, has been seen since never been seen since and nobody seems to know but, uh, I made inquiries alright but whether people knew or not I could never locate it Reference is frequently made to an alleged use of the Torrey Cursing Stone on the occasion in 1884 when it is said a British gunboat, HMS Wasp, was sent with a detachment of soldiers and police to collect rents and rates and to evict islanders who refused to pay. However, the gunboat was wrecked under the Torrey Cliffs and only six of those aboard survived. The legend of the turning of the stone persists. But the islanders themselves, though they owe to this incident their freedom from rates ever since, do not subscribe to the accepted story. We heard uh, so often that uh, it was turned against the wasp, HMS wasp, when they, when they came from Kalala to evict the, the people on Tory. But uh, the Tory people say no. I, I, I made inquiries now from different people and said no, that the wasp came unknown to them. They didn't know what the wasp was, was on its way at all. And it, uh, uh, the wasp was wrecked sometime, uh, sometime during the night. And nobody knew about it until one of the sailors uh, appeared at the lighthouse, one of the survivors. Now, the, um, the, the, it was said, too, that uh, if there were uh, a need of food or... Uh, if there, were an, if there was um, a scarcity on the island in a, in a bad year that they turned the stone against some cargo ship that happened to be passing and they brought it onto the rocks. Now, I never could get any uh, 
proof of that or uh, no, I, 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 you know I doubted very much that it, it, it did happen In northeast Mayo at Kilcommon on Killala Bay where General Humbert and the French forces landed in 1798 there are the remains of an ancient church a holy well and a mound known as St Cummins Grave which has a standing stone at each end and a cross-carved slab between. Here also at one time was the cursing stone, or blessing stone, called Yachomin, St. Common Stone. There's two big pillars of stones where he's buried. Well, there was supposed to be then a stone there, and um, if there was any bad enemy or anyone like that, for to turn the stone on them, that the storm would rise and do something to these people, these... They'd be drowned. Well, there's something that happened. That's how I had to know. That's all I had about. But what I'd happened say. to Stone? The, um, it was taken, I heard it was taken by the by the priest and it was brought to the cathedral in Belna. Because they didn't want to have it there, raising any disturbance about it. I was supposing that's uh, how I had it. That I had any ill feeling against you, or that you had any feeling against me. They turned that stone, you see, and then something had happened to you or to me over to be. And were there certain prayers or implications to be said? I didn't didn't hear about the prayers. Mm. I didn't hear nothing about the prayers, but that's... Or was there any sort of pilgrimage around it, anti-clockwise or anything like that? No, not that I heard about that where he was buried at this flag. If you turned that flag that something was going to happen. 84-year-old Jim Boland brought us on a tour of the archaeological remains of Kilcommon, but naturally we didn't find St Cummins stone. We did, however, get some further information about its fate in Killala from the parish priest and local historian Father McHale. The stone was removed um, in Dean Lyons' time. That would be um, in the early, eight, say, about 1836-37. Um, the survey letters tell us that it was put into the new cathedral at Balana. Uh, it could not have been into the foundations because the, um, the foundations were laid about 1828-1829 it may have been put in the foundations of the altar now I tried it when a few years ago when the altar was being uh, removed and uh, placed um, facing the people uh, while the foundations were being excavated uh, I searched and asked the men who were working there to search Nobody, we couldn't find any carved stone or any cut stone of any description the foundations were rough stones so St. Cummian stone has gone the way of many many others it's disappeared from history um, the order survey letters tell us that um, there was a man called Walker who uh, was cursed and as, as a result went mad uh, he had a friend uh, who was the son of the local parson at the time and uh, to prevent anything like that happening to anybody else he said to have broken the stone and um, it was mended Dean Lyons <coughs> had a campaign against superstitious practices and um, <coughs> that was the reason why he took the stone away as well as the St. Cummian stone, he said to have uh, confiscated for a time the Mies Chirnan, because it was being used um, <clears throat> for swearing on. Um, <clears throat> it 
was in the possession of the Knox family uh, of Rapper at the time. Um, they, their property was auctioned in London when the last of the family died and the Mies Chiron has disappeared as well. Father McHale can also throw some light on the fortunes of the stone called Unnewog from the island of Inishgay off the Mayo coast which is the subject of T.H. White's book The Godstone and the Blackamoor. The Newog seems to have been associated more with quelling storms and with fertility rites than with cursing. But the element of superstition attached to all these objects has meant that many of them have disappeared. Archaeologist Etienne Rin of University College Galway. They have, of course, because like a lot of the older uh, superstitions in the country, they have been um, blackballed and attacked by the clergy, principally in the last century. However, uh, these stones are still to be seen in many places and are still frequented, I've no doubt. Uh, now and again one hears stories. But I do know that there's a famous stone called the Cursing Stone at Kilmoon, just outside Lisdurn Varna in County Clare. Now I went along to look for this the other day, um, four years ago, five years ago, and couldn't find it. I made inquiries around and I found that this stone, this, which produced rather interesting cursings, had been destroyed about 50 years ago by a Father Conroy, the local parish priest. The, the practice was that if you wanted to go out and curse your friend, you went out and turned the stone backwards, recited certain prayers. But the old literature, the old comments in the 150, 60 years ago, always said that it made the fellow's face go awry. In other words, he became what in Scotland they call a Cowbell, a Campbell. I hope there's no Campbells listening to this. Anyhow, um, modern local folklore is that it would produce whatever curse you asked for, not specifically a crooked face. What must be one of the best sets of cursing stones surviving in Ireland is to be found on the cavern for Manor border near Black Lion on the southern shore of Loch Machnean. Again, they're in an isolated place, near the ruins of a 12th century church and a holy well, and there are many signs of prehistoric settlement. St Bridget's, or St Bride's Stone, as the cursing stone is called, is really three large boulders, with bullons or depressions on top, near the Church of Ireland Rectory in Kalina, on the land of Thomas Fraser in the townland of Tarman. Thomas brought us through an old graveyard, past the ruins of an ancient chambered grave known as St Bridget's House or St Bridget's Fort and over numerous stone walls to the corner of a small grove-like field on the lake shore. A sharp March wind blew across the lake and onto our microphone as if some of the spirits of the place resented our interference. It was always called the wishing stone and uh, people tells me it's the cursing stone. You all, always heard it called the Wishing Stone? The Wishing Stone, yes. But on maps and uh, from people who came to look at it, it was called the Cushing Stone. But the natives called it the Wishing Stone. Well, I suppose there's a relation between the two things. You could wish people ill or you could wish them well. Well, exactly. <laughs> mm. But what we have now is a number of stones on top of a great big flat slab, more or less flat anyhow. Yes. Yes, that's what you have. Not very nice stones as far as roundness is concerned, except the one in the centre, which I'm told 
fact or friction that it's not the original one, uh, I just don't know. Uh, I only heard my father when I was a young lad telling me that there was a nicer stone on it at one time years ago. It's a great big uh, oval-shaped stone anyhow, the one that is there now. Yes, yes. A yes. sort of speckled stone as well, isn't it, with moss yes, uh, yes. going on it. Yes. And how many other stones have you got then? Well, you have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen. And they're not all together. Some of them are on a separate yes, slab there. On two separate slabs, you could say. Obviously, it's a place there could have been some sort of early Christian activity or ancient pagan activity as well before that. Well, you have got St. Bridget's Fort in the one field and um, there's a place called St. Bridget's Well, although there's no trace of a well now. And um, you've got an old church ruins within 200 yards, so you can chalk that one out for yourself, I don't know. Obviously the church is very old and the, the old graveyard there, there's some very ancient stones in it as well. There is, yes. Mm. Yes, yes. But you heard no stories at all about these stones being used for cursing or anything like that? Or as a wishing stone even? Of any uh, sort? No. Heard, well, I heard my late father speaking about uh, the blood of the animals used to be put into the holes of that big stone there. and. I don't know what they used to do with the stones for sacrifices in olden times, whether it's a myth or a fancy. I just don't know anything like that. But um, you heard of it anyhow? I heard of it, yes. And a girl torn on the stones if she wanted uh, a boyfriend or a man, or a man as they used to call it long ago, wanted a man. In our quest for the cursing stones of Ireland, we met many people who seemed reluctant to believe that something so close to them and their people before them could be a survival from paganism, and yet that seems to be the case. It's easier, but certainly much less romantic, to accept that the stones with the bullons or cups in which they usually sit were just communal grinding mills, originally part of a pre-Christian settlement, later taken over by monks or other Christian group. In any event, with the aura of the centuries around them, they are, where they survive, very much part of our Irish and Celtic heritage. Turning the stones and cursing stones is um, customs also known in the highlands of Scotland and the Western Isles, and also, of course, in uh, Wales. In fact, you'll notice that both Scotland and Wales are also Celtic countries, countries that were not uh, changed too much by the Romans, while Ireland never was changed by the Romans. So it's quite possible that this very custom goes back to pre-Christian times, to Celtic Ireland, pagan Celtic Ireland. <laughs> 